What a blessing it is to just gather around the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of his love. For those of you that have just slotted in, this is our first service that we're basically having since we've had our outreaches to uh, Brazil and to Zambia. We've had a wonderful time. Thank you so much for slotting in and allowing me to serve you with the good news, the gospel of his grace. Before I get into the message, I just feel that I want to thank everybody that sponsors Dynamic Love Ministries financially and just uh, give towards the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's an honor to spread the gospel of Jesus and to preach the message and to bring the confirmation that God has already spoken to the hearts of people all over the world. When we go to the African bush and we preach the message there, those villagers that has maybe not, according to us, ever heard the gospel, uh, which I don't believe is the case, I do believe they have heard the gospel, but it was preached to them by the Father in their heart. And when we come and we bring that message, it resonates with them. They believe upon it. They, they say, Amen. They believe what we say. Why? Because they've already believed the Father. And we find that this life of Jesus Christ ought to, uh, how can I say, come forth in their lives. And we've even seen the same, for those of you that slotted in a bit late today, The um, even in Brazil, people sponsored and paid for flights for people to come and attend the meetings. And those people's lives change. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your generosity. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you for your faithful giving towards Dynamic Love Ministries. Well, we're going to get right into the Word. I'm going to be preaching about the Kingdom of God, the Gospel of God. That's what I'm going to talk about. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 1. We're going to read from Mark chapter 1. I've got good news for you today. I've got the good news of God. That is real good news. The good news about God, what God has come to do for us. I don't have the bad news about what you must do. I've got the good news of God. And if we need to ask ourselves the question, what is the gospel? What is the good news? I think a good place to start is right there with Mark, Mark chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, in the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So he says, in the Excuse me. In the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So Mark the Evangelist starts out here and he's going to tell us the good news, the story of the good news. And now he says here, in the beginning of this good news about Jesus Christ. Now, those of you that have been listening to the messages I preach know what the good news is. The good news is that the kingdom of God has now come to the earth that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. So what he says here is, in the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So what would that mean to these people? It would mean there's a, a man that was raised from the dead. He is the Messiah. He's the Son of God, the eternal, immortal human being. The beginning of that good news, how it started to manifest in the earth, the inauguration of this. This is where Mark starts. Then he goes on and he says the following. Um, he says, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet. So what he's basically saying is, is that which has now begun has already been spoken of uh, by the prophets. So what he's doing is he's basically, or we can actually find that, um, I mean Mark being the oldest gospel, we can find John echoing Mark. 
when he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But that Word and that light has now entered our darkness and has come to manifest. So there was a message that was from the beginning that God had, an idea that God had for us. And uh, Mark is now talking about how that begun or how it began to manifest in the earth. And he says here that John the Baptist prophesied that there will be somebody that says, prepare the way of the Lord. And I love, I love this. He says, uh, uh, John came and he prepared the way. He basically said to Jew and Gentile that you need to repent and accept this man as your Savior. He basically declared all the Jews sinners. What that meant was that uh, John the Baptist basically said that there is no need for the law as pertaining to a way of righteousness by our works. It goes on and it says, uh, then uh, talks about Jesus being baptized and then it goes into verse 14. And after John was put in prison, I'm reading verse 14, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the good news of God. Now, Jesus was proclaiming the good news before he died, before he was buried, and before he was raised. He proclaimed good news. And John was put in prison, it says. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has now come near. Repent and believe the good news. <laughs> so Jesus has now just preached the good news. He's defined the good news. He's explained the good news. And all of that is being documented by Mark in two verses. Verse 14 says, After John has put, was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee to proclaim the good news of God. So this is, not just the, this is not the good news of us. It's not the good news of the church. It's not the good news of our work. It's the good news about God. We need to understand that the gospel is the good news about God. This good news started to work in the earth. It started to manifest in the earth. It was talked about through the prophets. It was intended before the creation. It was then prophesied through the prophets. And now whatsoever the prophets has prophesied has started to happen. And Jesus then proclaimed. He, says, he said here, Jesus proclaimed the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom have of God has come near. So this is basically Jesus' words, if I must recite these words according to Mark. The time has come, Jesus would preach. Imagine him going around saying, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What would the good news be? That the kingdom of God, the rule of heaven, has now come to earth. That is it. The rule of heaven has come to earth even prior to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the good news that he was raised from the dead, was on account of the rule of God that has come to earth to bring forth life to man. 
And that is very, very, very good news. You know, when Helena and I, we, uh, we were in Zambia for a long time, for two months. Then we came back. We were just here for a few days. Then we got on the plane again, went to Brazil. And in the meantime, a lot of things happened in South Africa, uh, especially with our electricity provider. Now, in South Africa, we are not like many other countries where the electricity provider is, there are many companies that provide electricity. We only have one, and that is the government providing it. And then there was a strike, and uh, people didn't do their work, and we had power cuts, severe power cuts. And uh, we were not experiencing the power cuts because we were in Brazil. So when we came back, we experienced what was going on. And the moment you see your electricity is off, you're kind of forced to think of, you know, what's going on in the country. And we find that we are under the rulership of the South African government, which has got certain political parties that uh, that's driving it, which has got certain ideologies that drive it, which has got the power of man, the ability of man driving it. And, you know, one is confronted with this mortality, this lack that there is. But if we look at this and we face this, we would so wish for a government that can at least uh, make sure that there is electricity for the people that has voted for them, that make sure that they are uh, maintaining the generators and so forth. And one would wish for a rulership that is better. Now, we can think, wow, well, this political party can be better or that person can be better as a president. But what if we can know, what if we can hear that the rulership of heaven not just the rulership of heaven, the good news of God. Imagine God, the Almighty, could become president. I mean, that would be nice to a certain degree. I mean, it would be like, oh, glory to God, the Almighty, all-compassionate, all-knowing God, who cannot lie, who cannot be corrupt, is our president. I mean, that, that would be very good news. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the problem with that would be, if I would think of a problem, is he would have to be voted in. Somebody would have to vote for him. He would have, uh, he would have to uh, campaign. Then he would have to get people to vote for him. Then he can now get into power. We would want him to be more powerful than that. We would want him not to be voted in. We would want him to rule with a rulership that's greater than the system that we have placed there whereby people can vote him in. Because what if people don't vote him? Then I am going to miss out. And this is the exact thing that happens in politics. We find that you might vote for a better party, but that party is not ruling. Uh, another party, the majority vote, or the however they could be corrupt, if you look at different countries in the world, and then rule and be in power. You know, the, the either the most corrupt one or the one that gets voted in, which might not even be the best one, can be ruling. <coughs> and then he rules over you, but you didn't even have a say. You didn't vote for him, but now he is your ruler. It's a kind of a frustration that can set in there. But what if a ruler can come and he can bypass all of that and he can rule over you and you can be under his 
jurisdiction under his power of life. Doesn't matter what political party is in power. Someone that's greater. Something that is called the gospel of God, the good news of God. And this is what Jesus Christ was saying, and I'm reading it again. So we find Mark saying, in the beginning, we're starting off with the beginning of the good news of Jesus that is now become Lord and ruled over the earth. The way it started was Jesus, or John the Baptist prophesied, and uh, he was manifested as Isaiah prophesied. So we find when we read this, we're just seeing this stream of the, like standing next to a river. It's already begun. It's not something that is new. It's already been flowing from eternity. And now we jump into this river and we see Jesus Christ proclaims and he says, uh, the time has come. The kingdom of God has now come near. Repent and believe the good news. What is the good news? The kingdom of God has now come near. The gospel of the kingdom is now pronounced. Now, the word gospel, if we look at the word gospel, uh, we have to look at what gospel would have meant for the Jews of that time or the read, those who would read the letter that Mark wrote. To the Jews back then, gospel would mean deliverance from the rulership of Rome. Uh, or deliver, deliverance from oppression. That's what it would mean. And the word gospel, yesterday I went and I just studied out the word gospel again for the thousandth time. <laughs> and the m most amazing thing, and Church, I want to say this to you. The most amazing thing about studying out the scriptures is the more you know, the more you see. That is just the way it is. The more you know, the more you see. The more God reveals, the more you see. So if I've studied out that definition, let's say a year ago, and I, in the meantime, God has shown me more of his grace and his gospel, and I study it out now again, I will see more in that word. And what I've seen, and this is a beautiful thing, is that the word gospel, if you break it down into all its different root words, one of the root words is not just um, the good news. It is the good news that is announced by a messenger. So it is not just the message. It includes the messenger. Back in the time of Elijah and those kind of things, those kind of people, good news would be announced. But good news would be announced by the prophet or Good news would be announced by an angel. And that is what one of the meanings of the word good news. One of the root meanings is the announcement of what is good by an angel. Now imagine an angel appears to you. There's just something supernatural about that announcement. There's something very powerful about that announcement. So uh, I think that when the gospel is announced, there must be something supernatural about it, a supernatural feeling uh, and in some kind of an encounter when we hear it. It cannot just be some mediocre message. It must be something that's powerful, something that is uh, uh, almost heaven breaking into the realm of the earth wherein we hear the very good news as announced by an angel or a highly anointed prophet of God. 
Now, imagine an angel uh, saying and announcing this very good news that says, well, I want to just say that uh, the kingdom of God has now come near. Or let us put it this way, instead of just an angel that appears that gives the good news, what wouldn't it be wonderful if the Son of God himself appears with a message of God? Or we can even take it further. What if God appears in human flesh and announces his good news, the good news that his rulership has now come to the earth? And what if this good news, this announcement, is not just announced by God in human flesh, but it is demonstrated by raising a man from the dead and it is placed at the right hand of God? Hallelujah. I even write here in my notes, I said, as I'm writing these words, I can experience the supernatural that would have been experienced should an angel have appeared and announced the good news. Imagine the Almighty God says, I've got good news for you. My kingdom has now come to the earth. My kingdom has come to the earth and this rulership is over you. You're not under the rulership of the government. You're not under the rulership of some judge in some court. No. You're not under the rulership of ESCOM. Even if your electricity goes off. And I mean, this is a serious issue. Maybe people hear this that are in other countries. Uh, and one cannot realize how serious this is. If you run a big business and they switch the electricity off for uh, six or eight hours a day, it's a problem. It's a real problem. If you then all of a sudden have to get generators and you pay almost 30 rand for a liter of fuel and those things suck hundreds of liters every day, that's not part of the budget. That's not part of the, the quotes you've given you know, in, to service your contracts. It's, it's a serious issue. But as you feel this, as that happens, you're not under the rulership of it. It can happen to you. You are part of this world as a Christian as anybody else is. But you're not, it's not ruling you. We are under the rule of the life of God. And that is what God has said. Thank God that he was not voted in. Because if he was voted in, he could be impeached. But he was not voted in. He just burst in. He's warned the world that he's going to burst into this world <laughs> and he's going to rule with his life and he's going to take over all forms of death and where he's going to start is in those that believe upon him. And he has said yes to life in the earth and those, unfortunately, that never want this life, that doesn't want this rulership, that doesn't want this kindness, that doesn't want this goodness, they will be removed from this. They will be on the outside. And I don't want to get into that now. But we who have believed upon this, we are on the inside and we can never be on the outside. doesn't matter what happens in this world. God has come and we has now, we are now under the rulership and the goodness of his kingdom. Now, 
what is the kingdom of God? What is this kingdom that has now come to the earth? The best way I can explain this kingdom is the kingdom of God in its simplest form is the, it's the eternal kingdom of life that's flooded with life, that's free from sin and free from corruption and free from decay that has now entered the world that was flooded with sin, flooded with death, flooded with decay to take sin and death and decay away. If we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we talk about the rulership of no destruction, the rulership of sinlessness, the rulership of no corruption, the rulership of all love forever. That has now come to the earth. And we as people that are on the earth, the spirit of that kingdom is speaking to all of our hearts, to the hearts of every person on the planet. It even speaks to a fetus. I've listened to this very interesting thing on YouTube and these are just atheists discussing consciousness. And I was listening to this, and um, I like to listen to this guy's views that he has and what they dis discuss in, in the science and so forth. And what they say is they've now mathematically come to the conclusion that consciousness can be at such a small stage that even a hundred cells can have consciousness. And that you don't actually need a brain to have consciousness. Just cells can have consciousness in itself. They say they can't prove it scientifically, but mathematically it calculates to that. Now, well, that is just what we've been saying in the church all the time. That God formed us in our mother's womb. That he instructed us in our mother's womb. That he taught us already in our mother's womb. That the scripture, as David says, you wanted obedience even or faithfulness you demanded faithfulness even in the mother's womb so what God demanded while we were in the womb is that he is faithful to us and that it will be by his faithfulness and that we even from the mother's womb as a fetus can already be faithful to God in ways that only God can communicate that is above our intellect that's above our understanding so here we find that God is already speaking to all people in all the earth and what he is saying to every person everywhere, even to the cells and the fiber of our being. He's, just not, he's not just speaking to your soul. He's not just speaking to you as a person. He's speaking to every fiber of your being. Man, the cells of your body can hear this. And what he's saying is, is exactly what Jesus said here. The time has come. This was said 2,000 years ago. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And then an instruction to us. Repent. <laughs> repent. And what is this repentance? Believe the gospel. Repent. And believe the gospel. This kingdom, this rulership of heaven, this eternal life, this eternal kingdom flooded with life, free from sin, free from cor corruption, free from decay, has now come to the earth.
Imagine you could have a king that does not only have the rule over you, but had, that has the power to rule in your inner being also. If we think of earthly kings and presidents, you can find a new president that uh, comes into power and he can maybe follow your political ideologies and bring in what needs to be brought in and whatever. But that person doesn't have the power to rule in your inner man and make you new. He doesn't have that. He cannot end the mortality that is in you. He cannot take the fears of what is, what about when you die. He cannot take that away. He cannot give you hope as pertaining to resurrection. He cannot give you the assurance of eternal life for your children and children's children that must yet be born. He cannot do that. Imagine we could have a king that does not just rule over us, but that has the power to rule our inner being also. He would bring whatever leads to death, which in this case would be sin and death itself under his rule and give us holiness that leads to eternal life instead. It's amazing. It's amazing. So the rulership that God has is greater than what a doctor can tell you. And I want to just say this. I'm not against doctors. Doctors have done a lot of good in this world. And if a doctor gives a negative report, it's not because the doctor is evil. He just says what he sees. But the beautiful thing is that the doctor's word is not the final word. We are under the rulership of God. And should the doctor's word about our sickness even manifest the way he says it, we're not under the rulership of that. It doesn't govern our life. Our life is governed by our union with God in Jesus Christ. And that is the kingdom that has now come to the earth. This is the kingdom. Now, the way we've traditionally preached the gospel is like this. Here is earth, and we are placed on earth, and then we start to live our life. And as we live our life, in this life, we, there's basically a line. The top is good and the bottom is bad. And as we live, we must try and stay in the good because the end of living good, there's something called heaven. And should we then find that we are underneath this line of holiness, then there's hell waiting for us. And we basically, as a oscillate, I don't know what the right English word, word is, between good and bad all the time. And then when we are in the good, we've got the hope, oh, we're going to go to heaven if we die. If we go below this line, we think, oh, well, maybe we're going to go to hell. And the whole thing was that God created earth, put man on the earth to live holy enough to see if they're going to go to heaven or hell. Now, I want to tell you that there are people that actually believe that Christians believe that. And there might be Christians that say, well, that is what I believe. Well, if you believe that, you're wrong. I used to believe that. I don't believe that anymore. I was wrong. The gospel is not about who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell. That is not what the gospel is about. The gospel is 
the good news that heaven has invaded earth to get the hell out of earth. That is the gospel. The good news is there was a promise of good news that heaven will invade earth. That is the Old Testament. Then the beginning of the good news where heaven now invades earth was announced by Jesus, which says the time has now come. What time? The time that heaven invades earth and that heaven gets the hell out of earth and the hell out of me and you. Wherein we start to experience the overlap of heaven and earth. And I did preach about that. If you take two circles, let's say this is heaven, this is earth. When in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, there was an overlap. And God placed Adam and gave rulership to Adam. And the whole idea was to the, the invasion of heaven into earth. Adam said, no, God, I don't care. I'm standing in the power and in the solitude of myself. I'll govern this place. And then a mortal man with limited understanding had to try and govern the earth which is dust unto the eternal immortal life of God. It is just a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt to think that that is what God, that is what you can do. You cannot do it. It is like thinking our president, Cyril Ramaphosa, or whatever president you have of your country, that he can bring eternal life. The dude is dying himself. He's subject to death himself. He cannot. Psalms are so clear on that, especially go and read uh, from Psalm 20 to 30. You'll see it so clearly, even up to 40, Psalm 35 and so forth. It clearly says you cannot trust in the strength of horses. It clearly says there's no answer by man for even the rich die. If salvation could be by wealth and prosperity and all those kind of things. Let me tell you something. The lithium iron battery cannot save the world. Elon Musk Cannot help the world, man. The guy is dying himself. He needs Jesus. That's it. No Greenpeace system can save the world. No. We need the inauguration of the kingdom of heaven. And we need the amalgamation that there is between heaven and earth. That's what we need. And Jesus Christ said there was a promise of this taking place forget heaven and hell we need to get heaven and hell literally out of our whole theology it, it should be nowhere as an end destination we should think of heaven as the rulership of eternal life where god is and then we should think of earth and then when we think of hell we think of decay and destruction death and then we think of the gospel as the good news that the rule of heaven is taking over the earth. It's taking death and hell out of the earth and bringing life to us. That's what we should think of. And then you might think, but what about those who have died? 
in this whole thing and, and the whole thing of heaven and hell. This is the good news. The death that they've experienced when they die shall be removed by the rulership of heaven that's come to earth and they'll be raised from the dead on the earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we find the full unification between heaven and earth in this earth, and we as Christians, we that are Christians, we are already now experiencing that. We are declared by Jesus and the writers of the gospel as the temple of God. The Old Testament people, if you ask them where is heaven, they will show, they would have pointed you to the most holy place in the temple or the tabernacle. That's what they would have done. They would have pointed you, that's where heaven is. Because that's where God is. And if God is in heaven and he's in the most holy place, he's, he's, he's there. That's where it is. Now we are that temple, Jesus says. He says, break down this temple and three days I'll rebuild it, referring to his body. And now we who are believers, we are the place where heaven and earth comes together. We are already starting to see the rulership of heaven in earth in ourselves. Glory to God. We don't have to wait for some government to line up. No, Jesus bypasses all of that and he reaches the man and the person who needs it through his spirit right now. And this began 2,000 years ago when Jesus announced it. So we are talking about the amalgamation and the unification of heaven and earth. That's what we're talking about. And if you want to know how the full unification between heaven and earth, what it would look like. There is an example of that. And that is the resurrected Jesus Christ. An empty grave, a human being that cannot be tempted with sin, that cannot die, that shines like the sun, that's got the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is how it looks when heaven and earth unites. And that is God's promise for me and you and this whole earth. If you read Romans chapter 8, it says that creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. What that means is we are now the sons of God. The spirit of the kingdom of God has entered us. His Spirit is already working in our inner being. His Spirit is already on our flesh. He's working in us and we bring forth things that lines up with what we have seen in Jesus. We find humility inside us. We find kindness inside of us. We find generosity inside of us. We come to a place where we find that we have so much life and the promise of life that is, in the, that is seated in the faithfulness of God who cannot lie, that we are more concerned about the lives of others than the life of ourselves. We find that we want to give of ourselves. That's what we find. We find the very life of Jesus inside us, manifesting in us. We find that that starts to come forth in us. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. That is what we find. We find that, that manifestation and it leads, as that, as that happens, as the kingdom enters into us, it leads to holiness, which in the end ends up in eternal life. Right here, right in our lives on this planet 
The vision is not heaven or hell. Who's going to go to heaven or hell? That is not God's message. God's message is that his kingdom comes to you. And we are now under that rule. I would like to read Hebrews chapter 7. And I want to explain to you under whose rule we are and what kind of a high priest we have. Hebrews 7, we're going to read verse 22. And then I have to get to Romans 6. Romans 6, that's so powerful. It says here, because of this oath, Jesus has become a guarantee of a better covenant. So there was an oath of eternal life, and Jesus is therefore the guarantee of a better covenant. So Jesus, if you look at who he is, his resurrection, who he is, that's the guarantee. That's the guarantee. So many times when, you, when, you, um, when we look at contracts, we look at what the guarantee is, because the guarantee gives us our peace. Jesus is the guarantee. Can God raise the dead? What guarantee do we have? Well, we look at Jesus. Hallelujah. And I want to just say this. I've said in the devotional as well in this week. If you have a negative word or someone that says, I'm going to mess up your life or something that says, I'm going to destroy you or some bad thing. If you find, uh, thinking of South African businessmen, you find bankruptcy staring you in the face because you cannot it's not that you cannot pay the bill you can pay the electricity bill but the electricity is not on and you don't know how to run your company it's very difficult if you look at that if you would have that as a voice to you and you sit in your office and you look at the papers and all of a sudden <coughs> you get the unction to imagine this was 2000 years ago just play imaginary game here and you go to the grave of jesus and you see here the guy stood up out of the dead and he shines with the glory of god almighty in a physical body and he says to you i have the rulership over the earth i am lord i can rule over this believe me repent for the kingdom of god is now here and you're not standing under this other kingdom anymore. Can I rule over you? Will you still be worried about this problem that you're facing in the presence of the resurrected Christ and the guarantee that we have? I think the answer is obvious. Verse 27. Now there have been many of these priests since the death prevented them from continuing in their office. So in the Old Testament they had many priests. But then if one priest then he dies, then another priest then he dies. They had a bit of a weakness, they died. So they weren't ruling over death itself. It says he has, uh, but Jesus has a permanent priesthood. Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to bring life to them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. The rulers we have on earth is not holy. They are not pure. They are not blameless. They are not set apart from sinners. They are just as much sinners as everybody. They are not exalted above the heavens. No, they are in the heavens. They are not exalted above the heavens. They are just normal sinners 
They cannot help us. But our high priest has been exalted above the heavens. Unlike other high priests, he does not need to sacrifice day after day, first for his own sins, then for that of the people. No, he was raised from the dead. He's got eternal, immortal flesh. He's above the heavens. He's above sin. He's holy, blameless, pure. He's set apart from sinners. He's exalted above all things. And he has now been appointed as our Lord. That is the very, very good news. What does that amount to? Romans chapter 6, and this is what we're going to end off with. Romans chapter 6. I've got good news for you. You're under the rulership of heaven. You're under the rulership of God. Hallelujah. doesn't matter what is being said. We, have, we are born from Jesus. The good news of God. Heaven and earth amalgamating, heaven and earth becoming one. How does it look when heaven and earth becomes one in our lives prior to the resurrection in the return of Jesus Christ? What does it look like? Romans 6.14, and this is what we can expect. Excuse me. Uh, I couldn't find Romans 6.14 in Act 6. So let me get to the right place. It says the following here. This is so, so powerful. It says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What benefit, verse 21, did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result into death. But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? What benefit was there when we were under the law? There was no benefit. He says, but what benefit do we have now that we are under the rule of life? The benefit you reap leads to holiness. The benefit of being under the rule of God is the power of God that leads you to holiness and the end eternal life. I remember some years ago I had somebody in my congregation. This guy was, um, he just felt that, you know, when you're under grace, it just means God's not angry and that is enough. And then he would live a sinful life. Doing shame, bringing shame to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of grace. Didn't understand what the gospel is about. The beautiful thing that the gospel of grace is about is this. When we say his kingdom has entered this world, hallelujah, we can now be free from what bothers us and brings pain to us. We can now, because of the rule of heaven, not live in fear anymore. I said to one of my friends when I came back to South Africa, I gave a bit of a report on, on our trip and how things are. I said the beautiful thing about coming back to South Africa, finding no electricity and what that might spell for businesses and people in South Africa is that I can hear what it can say, but I don't feel fear. What beautiful benefit for being under the kingdom of God. We can have the same message that everybody has in the country, but I have no fear. Hallelujah. 
I have the unction of the Holy Spirit. I've got the benefit of peace leading eventually unto eternal life. And that is called the grace of God, my friends. The scripture clearly says, let me read it again. And the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but we've been set free from sin. Why? Because we're not, not because we repented from sin, but because we are not under the law. What we've repented from is to have our belief in our own works. We have now believed that the kingdom of God has come to the earth. We've believed the good news, and that's all we do. Now we stand under the rule of that good news. The benefit is holiness, and the end, eternal life, as heaven and earth becomes one, as there's amalgamation between the rulership of God and this physical earth where God rules all death out. Hallelujah. And we don't have to wait for governments to come right. We don't have to wait for situations to change in order for this to take place. We stand under that rule right now, and that's how God rules in our lives. And the beautiful thing is that we will also see the manifestation of that kingdom in our lives in signs, wonders, miracles, the fruit of the Spirit, ending eventually in the graves opening up, heaven and earth becoming one, everyone that has died in the Lord being raised in this earth, and we so live with God forevermore. And I end off with this. That is why nothing we do on this earth that is born from the gospel of grace is useless. Sometimes we think, oh, well, I've preached here, or I've done that, or I've given money for this, or that. I don't know if I've wasted my time. Nothing. Because it's not about where we go when we die, but it's about what God is bringing to the earth. In Jesus returning to the earth, bringing life to this earth, where we can now start to experience the life of God, holiness that leads to eternal life. Whatever is born, this message I preach to you, every action you have in your life born from the gospel of grace is eternal on the earth and can never end. Hallelujah. <laughs> so our treasure is in the eternal heaven. When we put our treasure in heaven, it doesn't mean we take our treasure far from here. No, our treasure is in heaven that comes to earth that now starts to manifest by the work of God. Hallelujah. Man, I'll preach on this treasure heaven earth thing one day. It is very, very powerful. Well, we've come to the end of our service, and I want to thank you that I could serve you with this very, very good news. I'm going to pray for you, and um, then I'll just make one announcement after that. Let us pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can today as a church gather around your good news, and we can say that the kingdom of earth has come to rule in this earth. Oh, the kingdom of heaven has come to rule in this earth. And thank you, Father, that we have submitted ourselves to your rulership and we find the, find the amalgamation of your life in our lives. Thank you, Father, that as we experience this, we see holiness coming forth in us. We find kindness coming forth in us. We expect that. 
and we start to see the first fruit of that. And thank you, Lord, that we, can, we, we are not discouraged if we don't see all of that manifesting now. We can already see what you are doing, and we can see how it is like water that's flowing over dry ground. It's just flowing and flowing and dripping and never-ending. And thank you that kingdom has now come into this earth. It's come close. It's starting to do its work, and that we could repent and believe the gospel of the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord, that you stretch forth your hand and you bring forth signs, wonders, and miracles, that you bring forth healing in the lives of people right now. I pray for everybody that's got sickness in his body. And I say, healing is yours. I thank you, Father, that kingdom manifests in their body and that healing takes place, provision takes place, financial provision takes place for people, health in the body an enlightened mind to understand the gospel. Thank you, Father, for your life. Amen and amen. Thank you so much that I could serve you, and then we will talk again next Sunday. Well, I've just got... The